0: You know, our vision for a a vegan world, a world where animals are not oppressed or abused or exploited, it is coming and it will come. Um, Let's just hope that the earth doesn't collapse under our feet first, though. So that's always the worry.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the Vegan Manly Man Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Jake Singer, and I'm your host for the Vegan Manly Man Podcast, the show where we talk about self-growth, plant-based living, and sharing the message of love, compassion, and peace for all beings. On today's show, we will talk about the current trends in plant-based eating and speculate what the future may hold for the mainstream vegan movement. My guest is the co-founder of the online news source, Plant-Based News, which reaches over 900,000 people on social media alone. With almost 20 years' experience in media design and communications, he has played a key role in helping movements such as Veganuary, World Plant Milk Day, and a host of other campaigns and initiatives. He has shared his story and insight on leading podcasts from around the globe and has spoken at both Veevolution and VegFest London in the UK. Today, we will hear his thoughts on the trending vegan movement and gain an expert's viewpoint from someone who is immersed in all things vegan on a daily basis. Please welcome to the show, Robbie Lockie. Thanks for having me, Jake. It's great to be here. Of course. Thank you for being here, man. Um, I'm truly humbled to have you on the show and for you just taking uh, time out of your busy schedule to share your insight and opinion on on the vegan shift that's happening all over the world. It's my absolute pleasure, my friend. Awesome. Well, I like to start by asking uh, kind of a, a pretty deep question uh, and then dive into your story more about how you got to the answer. So uh, what is your
0: mission statement for life? What do you want your your legacy to be? That's a very good question, my mission statement. Um, being a Buddhist and having a kind of spiritual foundation in my life, my mission really on a daily basis is to make the best use of this life. And through every thought, action and deed, I create positive changes in this world. From a very young age, I've always felt like, you know, I wanted to be a part of something big and something world changing. And when I got involved in the vegan movement, I suddenly realized, you know, that is an opportunity for me to create real change. Mm -hmm. And that is my mission statement, is to be a change maker, to inspire others, to use their skills and their talents, whatever they are, whether it's food or literature or writing or singing or whatever it is, to inspire others to live a kinder, healthier, more environmentally friendly lifestyle. Wow. And that's and that's amazing. And
1: it's it's a common trend that I've I've seen because a lot of people, if you ask them this question, they they really don't know the answer. But for those who do, it seems to kind of have the common theme. And, and it's just to inspire others to to be them best selves to to create a better world for everyone. And I think that's amazing. And it kind of ties into our our interconnectedness as humans and our goal is all the same, is to just be happy in life and, and create a better environment for for everyone who's living here. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit um, uh, more about you being a Buddhist. How did that come about? Was that something that you were kind of interested in when you were younger growing up? Is that something you came into later in your life?
0: Yeah, so I've always been quite spiritual. I was exposed to a lot of sort of spiritual teachings and books and texts when I was very young through my grandmother, my mother's mother. And I really felt um, some kind of strange connection to the world that I couldn't quite explain. There was always sort of something there in my mind gnawing away at me. Um, and, you know, I grew up on a farm in Zimbabwe, in Africa, and I would often lie on the grass looking up at the stars and looking at the Milky Way, the trillions of stars, like. A, like a splash of kind of like a river of stars across the the night sky was something that I could, I still thinking about now gives me goosebumps. It's kind of breathtaking, really. Unfortunately, you don't get to see it when you live in a city, but it would always make me question my existence. I would wonder who I was and why we were here and what's the point of the earth. And, you know, from a very young age, I was asking those questions. I was wondering what the hell is the point to this life? Why am I existing at all? and I've always been that deep thinker. And I, I didn't really have a framework to operate within. And, you know, over the years, I looked into various different forms of practices and spiritual teachings and my the town I grew up in was very Christian, but I didn't feel any connection with christianity at all i felt i actually felt it uh, was very claustrophobic and very oppressive um mm-hmm. you know i know there's a lot of really good christian people out there and there are great teachings within the christian faith but i i didn't it didn't fit for me because the small town that i grew up, grew up in the christian kind of identity was one of a lot of judgment and a lot of kind of criticism uh you know a reward and punishment there wasn't a sense of uh, nourishing a community that supported and believed in you. So I became an atheist at a very young age and didn't believe in anything and did go through a phase of feeling quite angry and annoyed. And I was like, oh, you know, earth is just a rock spewing pain and misery into the universe. (laughs) Um, Why are we here? Uh, And then in my early 20s, I met a few amazing people who kind of put me on the right path and taught me a few things about spirituality and about trying to understand my place in the universe. Um, and actually, when I came to London, um, when I was 19, I started to sort of explore various forms of spiritual practices and it, you know discovered Buddhism. And I um, found it to be a spiritual practice that was really enlightening and and vast. It was so much to learn. but ultimately the practice was something that allowed me to feel, Like I didn't have to ask any more questions, but I could feel comfortable with who I was if that made sense. So it gave me a framework to operate within that made me feel like I wasn't missing something. (laughs) Right, right.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And I think a lot of people feel that way and, and maybe just struggle to kind of branch out and actually explore those feelings because there is so much stipulation from society to adhere to these traditional religions and mm-hmm. certainly i felt the same way growing up i was raised christian and when i was 15 years old i started having thoughts of, of just what is this thing that i'm buying into you know i've been forced to go here from a young age but but coming up as a, a young man I, I really started to gain my own thoughts and insights and i felt the same way as you did i just i i started to question why am I here? What is the purpose of everything? And mm-hmm. that has only developed further into uh, my early and now late 20s, where I kind of just, I question everything. And I I never became an atheist, but uh, definitely consider myself agnostic now, and just a very spiritual viewpoint. I, you know, I don't have the answers to, to what happens after this life. But I want to believe in something because I feel like there's, there's too many, um, too many instances of, of coincidence and like serendipity and stuff like that. And, you know, you could get into talking about spirit and, and hearing messages from other people and stuff like that, that have passed on. I've had experience with that as well. So I believe there's, there's something out there and I, I wish that more people would, would really look within themselves to try to understand those feelings and, and not just go by what everyone else says. And unfortunately, that goes for a lot of things in life. <laughs> we're, we're very conditioned to follow follow the crowd and, and not think for ourselves a
0: lot of the time. Well, that's the, the, the what Buddhism is all about. It's actually a path, uh, you know, you walk your own path. It's about standing on your own and having that standalone spirit to be the person you want to be no matter what, you know, the Buddha was a um, he was a prince in India, and he turned his back on his wealthy family and all his religions and all his, you know, trappings. And he went out and traveled the land looking for answers uh, to the big questions. Right. And, you know, and ultimately, he was just a man who, who wanted to figure out who he was. And that's really the practice of Buddhism, to find out who you are and what your place is in the world.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. And especially as, as someone who suffered from depression. And, you know, one of the things that I would ask myself is, you know, what's the purpose? Why am I even here? And, um, just going on that journey and what has helped me is finding something, um, greater than myself that I'm a part of. And Mm -hmm. that has certainly been the vegan movement, um, Mm -hmm. and, and being a part of that. So every day I wake up, if I'm not motivated by my own accord, I can say, well, I have, you know, a, a job or, or a purpose to do while I'm here, and and that always keeps me going. So, I think that's amazing. Absolutely. So, tell me a little bit more about your transition from uh, growing up in Zimbabwe and then and then moving to the UK. What was what was the the motivation behind that?
0: So I grew up in rural Zimbabwe, which is a country just uh, north of South Africa. If you look on the map, um, I grew up in a very small town, um, with not a lot going on, <laughs> and I, you know, I always had this kind of small town boy, but kind of big town mentality. You know, I always felt like I belonged in a bigger city where I had access to culture and more diverse uh, people. But I, um, I guess it was it was it, what my hand was forced actually because when i was at college and i was actually studying there was a lot of violence there was police rioting and there was um you know tear gas coming through classroom windows there were fuel shortages there were food shortages um a lot of violence a lot of like uh, frustration and my parents said you know maybe it's that time for you to get out of the country uh, you know for your safety and i Literally had two hundred pounds in my pocket, a few clothes in a bag, and off I went on an aeroplane, little wow. country mouse, nineteen <laughs> to uh, to England, to the to the to the mud island as they call England sometimes. Um, and I, I ended up here, um, very young and blurry, you know, blurry-eyed, but kind of wide-eyed, bushy-tailed. Had no idea what I was getting myself into, and it was a huge culture shock for me. You know, I grew up in a small town where there wasn't really anything going on. I'd never really experienced any kind of different kinds of culture. And it was a real difficult time. It took a lot of adjustment and I didn't know anyone and it was quite hard making friends and I didn't have any family here. So it took a long time for me to feel um, confident in myself as a person. Um, And it was, yeah, many years of like wanting to go back, run back to Africa and just go back to living with my mom and dad. But I just decided... I had to succeed. I couldn't. I just couldn't go backwards. You know, I wanted to, right. to stick it out. So and, and so, I stayed. So, and twenty years later, which is half my life now, I'm um, been in England. <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, that that that's pretty amazing. I mean, what do you think would have happened uh, had you stayed back in Zimbabwe?
0: People have asked me this before, and it's a very interesting question. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess I probably would have maybe done the same Started my own business. I come from a very entrepreneurial family. Um, and I may have just stayed, I don't know. I don't know if I would have ended up vegan, probably not. It's a very meat heavy country. Right. Um, and it probably would have been very different. Hard to say really that sliding doors moment where your your life can take two different directions. <laughs> mm, yeah. It's always interesting to think about, but uh-huh.
1: you know, through that challenge you had, uh, i'm sure it came tremendous growth
0: and and you are who you are yeah. today because of it yeah, so definitely it definitely did it taught me a lot i mean i was very lonely for a very long time and i, I struggled a lot i missed my family a lot because i didn't see them for a long time because i couldn't afford to fly home it was a good like three or four years till i saw my family um and being young and being of that age um it's difficult you know because we just had we didn't really have video calls and stuff like we do now yeah. so staying in touch and having that closeness there was no social media or anything like that so it did feel a lot more isolating so it was really challenging right and especially at a
1: time too at 19 years old you're you're just coming into kind of the real world and yeah uh, discovering all these things of, uh-huh. yeah you know early adulthood that we all go through and normally normally uh, most people kind of have their parents close by to, to kind of catch them when they, when they fall sometimes but uh that's incredible so so being then in the uk what what was the catalyst then that made you go vegan because you said
0: maybe you you wouldn't Mm -hmm. have have turned Mm -hmm. had you stayed in zimbabwe it was the catalyst for my veganism was actually a health problem so i suffered a lot of like skin problems and joint problems and bloating and overheating and all kinds of strange kind of things i just couldn't figure out what's wrong with me i so i saw so many different doctors and specialists and tried different diets and I tried the caveman diet and the paleo diet and the the, the Atkins diet, all these different things to see if it would try and change how I felt and it actually got worse Um, and I just didn't understand what was going wrong and I got very depressed and very unhappy and then a friend of mine said, oh, try the alkaline diet, like maybe give it a go on um, how you, you know, adjust your food consumption through alkalinity or acidity. So that's what I did and I started to consume more alkaline foods and I noticed that I started to improve but that was all because of things like Netflix. I started watching films like Fat Sick and Nelly Dead by Joe Cross, Forks Over Knives, mm-hmm. all these different films and yeah. they taught me about food and food ink and things like that. Um and my health um did improve a little bit and then um I decided to do a juice fast, a five-day juice fast, I think it was. Um, And that was like five different juices every day. Um, It was quite a trip doing that. I went to to the supermarket and bought all the fruit and vegetables and it was piling up. (laughs) <laughs> like 15 pineapples and 50 apples oh, and 12 wow. <laughs> cucumbers and the lady at the checkout she thought I was crazy she's like are you having a party and I'm like no <laughs> this is just my food for the week <laughs> yeah and I did that and that was amazing and then at the end of the week there was a birthday party at a local pub and I went to the pub and rather bad decision I had a big fat juicy beef fatty beef burger and I felt so disgusting and I actually couldn't eat. I actually couldn't really eat it. And I realized that that was when I was kind of falling out of love with animal flesh. And then that next week, I actually probably watched, um, that's when I watched earthlings. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever seen earthlings, but people call it the vegan maker. And I watched that. I was horrified. I shook, I cried, I felt sick. I thought, what the hell? why, have I never thought about this stuff before? Um, and then a few days later, coincidentally, the next door neighbor's beautiful white cat was hit uh, by one of the other neighbors right in front of our house. And I ran over to the cat and stood over her and I didn't know what to do. And she was lying there on the black tarmac, this huge pool of ruby red blood around her. And I kind of, she was shaking. I went and picked her up and she looked at me and I looked at her. And um, I had this spiritual experience where I, became the cat and the cat was me and i had this sort of moment where i realized you know i couldn't take this cat, animal's life it's suffering right. i can't put its, i can't take its life from it you know from her even you know she is a, a living breathing emotional being like me i can't take her life her life slipped you know through uh my fingers literally and then and she was gone and and in that moment i thought this you know i thought about earthlings and and what i'd experienced and i thought i can't you know I'm, I'm i'm definitely going to be vegan i definitely i didn't really understand what vegan was but at the time i realized i'm not eating any more meat i'm not going to kill any i wouldn't kill another animal or think about killing an animal and that was it
1: <laughs> right and and uh, how long ago was this what year that was about uh, six years ago now okay wow all right so Sorry. we're pretty similar on yeah. on when we transitioned over but yeah. it, well said and earthlings is a very, very powerful documentary if anyone is listening and wants to know a little bit more about how animals are treated for food and fashion and industry for cosmetics. yes, It really lays out kind of all these ways that these animals are exploited. And you may say, well, I know what happens. But truly in, until you kind of go down the rabbit hole and really – invest time to understand and and watch these things you really don't know because i remember watching earthlings and it coming to me as an incredible shock as well i could not believe that that it was legal what i was seeing to do these things and yeah and and for me as well when i started to go vegan it was it was for health reasons and it didn't even cross my mind the ethical aspect but as i researched more i naturally stumbled Upon these things, and being an, an empathetic person, I think that, or at least at the time, not knowing I was empathetic, but I think that Earthlings certainly opened that that door. And like you with the cat, I I, I felt for these animals. I kind of was walking in in their in their shoes, and you know, feeling the pain and seeing the suffering that they were going through, and knowing that I would never want this done to me, and. It was kind of, I had a mm-hmm. defining moment with Erlings as well. I said, okay, like th- this is it. Like I have to, I have to do something now. I have to live the rest of my life to, to prevent this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A moral, a moral obligation. It's like, there's that quote from uh, Albert Einstein who says, those who have the, for something like those who have the, not the fortune of knowledge have the duty to act. You know, right. we, we have the knowledge, we know what's going on. So we must act. We must stand up. Uh, for all that are those are, who are oppressed, humans, animals, any, the environment, you know, that we have a duty. <laughs> we absolutely do. And I think most people are, are scared to just really know that truth, because
1: they know that it is going to require change. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the matrix, is you know? Mm.
0: Yeah, I refer to the matrix all the time, actually. And a lot of my podcasts, especially with the, with the, with the guys, we talk about how, you know, the red pill and the blue pill, the red pill being the truth, the reality, and the blue pill being the lie, the the falsehood, you know, that, 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 that fake world that's kind of like pulled over your eyes. <laughs> right. Yeah. 100%. And,
1: and it goes beyond just veganism as well. There's, there's so many other things in the world that are happening that, you know, and, and I think that that going vegan can can open your eyes to
0: so many other things, and it does because it makes you question. It makes you realize that your paradigm, um, that you or your belief system that you've been given as a child, because eating meat is a belief system because it's not a it's, you know, it's a choice, and through choices there are there are beliefs. You know, we don't need where there's no necessity, like we don't have to eat animals, so we choose to eat them. So that choice comes from a belief, even though most people don't realize that it's actually a belief system that they've been given. And I think that's why a lot of people blindly and mindlessly continue with this belief system because they don't really realize they're in the middle of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yep. It's kind of like uh, being the stupid one in a
1: group of friends, you know, <laughs> you, you never realize that you're the stupid one. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> but um, yeah. I think even, you know, I don't know if this is true in a, in a scientific aspect uh, in, in any way. But when... When I first opened myself up to these truths, I really feel like my brain was almost rewired. It was like all these pathways of thinking that that I had known for 21 years, all of a sudden they were just all rerouted and it was like a new awakening. I just woke up the next day. I, it was right after watching Earthlings because that really mm-hmm. just opened the door into, you know a world that i had never seen before and it was the next day i just remember feeling so different i felt so much more connected to the earth to animals to other people it was just it it truly was a you know a new awakening and and i don't mean to kind of you know scare anyone with with kind of like the hippy dippy stuff if they're listening and, and they don't believe in that stuff that's you know i'm not trying to say that that's 100% what it was but that's just what i felt and and i've Talk to other people who have had the same experience, and right. and I yeah. think that it's like a, it, it's it's like a, a shock factor, and and it's yeah. just like it's like when you train a muscle at the gym, you know, when you uh, expose it to a stimulus that it's not used to, mm-hmm. it's going to mm-hmm. tear and then rebuild. And who's to say that our mind can't do the same thing?
0: Absolutely, human being. I believe, as a Buddhist, human beings beings beings, <laughs> human beings <laughs> are innately uh, endowed with. Infinite amounts of compassion. It's built into who we are as creatures. We are evolved to feel empathy uh, for other beings, for others. We're tribal creatures, and that's who we are. We automatically recognize faces. This is why I believe celebrity culture is so popular because of the face, because people see a face, it's familiar, they connect with it. That's why we function and how we function in our human society. Now, the brain is capable of all kinds of incredible things, but especially this neuroplasticity where the brain can actually alter its shape and its structure based on experiences. And trauma, which is what you experience when you watch earthlings is second degree trauma. You're watching violence. You're seeing and experiencing violence that has been carefully selected to explain to you and to show you what we have done as creatures. You know, it's like a poem. You know, if you read a poem, a poem can change your life. Someone else's words can change your life. A film is exactly the same. It's an arrangement of images and words and sounds that have been carefully orchestrated to be able to reveal a truth to you. And as that truth is revealed, a part of you is like unlocked. Mm-hmm. It's the compassion. You suddenly realize, you know, I am this person. I am a compassionate person. And all this time I've been, my actions and my beliefs have not been aligned. And now that I'm a vegan, my actions and my beliefs are aligned. I love and care about animals and people and the earth and everything that I do is now in alignment with that. And that's why it feels so good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What do you you think about people who watch these kinds of videos and kind of don't have a reaction at all or
0: or continue with their habits? I think the reaction occurs. They just don't acknowledge it. So it's there in their mind. But I think, you know, because human beings are complex and highly. Um, functional, uh, highly emotional beings, there can be all kinds of psychological mechanisms that are um, layered up. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but I feel like I have a good understanding of how the mind works Mm -hmm. and how people behave. And I think based on our experiences, our childhood, our social conditioning, our family, there's so many parameters and permutations that can um, can alter a person's reaction to seeing trauma or violence. I know many people who've seen stuff, um, violent stuff like earthlings and you know, and have watched it. And then years later, they've seen something else that then triggered that previous experience. And then they went vegan. So right. I do believe that anyone can, can get it, can make that connection, but it doesn't necessarily always happen straight away for some people, but depending on them as people and their experiences.
1: Right. Well, I think it's like the whole planting the seed method is, you know, right. the, the seed is not always going to, you know, grow. Uh, immediately right away it might be somebody might plant the seed and then somebody might you know pack the soil around it somebody might give it the water somebody might provide the sunlight so it's it maybe it's the first time that that somebody has heard information about veganism or the second time or the third or the fourth or the 15th you know but
0: mm-hmm.
1: it only takes that one time where it finally kind of clicks and 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 triggers that that realization so that's why I think that it's it's very important to to plant seeds. And um, from a quickly talking about a, a vegan activist point of view, I don't always agree with these very upfront and and forward methods because I feel like you know if you plant a bad seed, then it's more likely to take longer or or not come into fruition at all. But yeah. you know, planting planting good seeds and and just little things. You know, so, hey, some people may never change in their lifetime, and you you kind of have to accept that and let it go. Mm-hmm. But always continue to to be an example and, and plant seeds for for those others who may be curious or they may not be. But you never know right. the reaction that it's going to have, whether it's now or ten years down the
0: road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, as the saying goes, be the change you want to see in the world, mm-hmm. and people cannot be forced into anything and the people around us will not change if we force them you know we just have to lead by example and if they wish to change and wish to come with us in the direction we're going then they're welcome um and that's why we must never i think write people off family friends anyone because you never know uh who that person we know who that person might go on to become right you know and who they may go on to influence you know the next senator the next president Mm -hmm. the next local leader you know so always be mindful of how you talk about veganism and how you advocate for it because you know your your uh, your karma and your cause and effect that you create in your life can can it creates ripples um absolutely you know and we have to be very cautious absolutely so taking it back a little bit to your story
1: of moving to the uk so you moved to the uk and uh between this time of of you kind of gaining your your footing, uh, being a young man and going vegan. What are you doing in the meantime as far as um, furthering yourself in your career?
0: So, yeah, it's a good question. People always ask, like, how do you develop yourself as a person? I think a lot of things are important. At the moment, I'm trying to work very hard on self-care, Um, my work through plant-based news is a 24-7, 365-day-a-year job. (laughs) It's quite hard to unplug and switch off. So as far as like working on myself with meditation and swimming and exercise to try and make sure I'm resilient and strong and kind of mentally keeping it together, because there's a lot of stuff that we have to deal with. There's a lot of challenges, financial, personal, emotional challenges all the time. As far as my career and what I'm doing, um, I'm always learning all the time. I'm completely self-taught in everything that I do, my graphic design, my video editing, my web design, all of that. So I'm always listening and reading and learning about new technology all the time. I'm what they call an early adopter. So I'm always the first to pick up a new gadget or a new piece of technology or code and try and use it. (laughs) Right, that's great. So then um,
1: you learning all these things on your own, um, did that naturally lead you into plant-based news? after you went vegan, did that kind of just seem like the general route? Was that
0: something that you had thought about before? Or was was that something that you kind of stumbled upon? Um, It has something I thought about before, because before I was doing plant-based news, I was running something else called People of London. And that's a platform that tells people stories. And I'm kind of doing that through plant-based news. You know, We reach out, we tell people stories, we gather the news. I've got my podcast, we do videos and interviews. So we're kind of like, I'm doing that, but through the lens of um, the plant-based world, vegan world. So I'm getting to apply and use all the things I've always wanted to use in a project that was involved in some kind of social change. Cause what we're doing with this is shifting hearts and minds around a particular, um, thing, you know, you know, a topic. Um, so it's, yeah, it's very rewarding. That's great. And I think that
1: ties into kind of your, your mission statement for life is to allow people to, you know, find, find the happiness within themselves. And I think that that's a great platform that you're doing it on because in my belief, uh, veganism is a, is a doorway to peace, is a doorway to, to happiness um, if done the right way. And um, so I, I think that's amazing and you being someone who is so invested in what's happening in the world from a vegan perspective, you know, 24 um, seven 365 days a year like you said what do you think has been the catalyst for this this upsurge of mainstream veganism that has really taken over uh, in the last couple of years especially in the
0: UK categorically the growth of the vegan movement has come down to and Been caused by social media so social media has given people the tools they need to get the truth to the mainstream media but also to the people more more importantly um you know activists are have been able to go undercover inside factory farms with cameras with 360 degree cameras uh, with drones and show the damage and the the violence and the abuse um, of the animals of the land of all these things and that's what's been i think the biggest thing is that it's allowed more people to see the reality of what's going on and make corporations stand up and listen because we've been able to to show the truth it's a bit harder in the us now with the ag gag laws where Mm -hmm. they're actually stopping activists from actually filming and exposing the realities of these um atrocities but you know that's not going to stop us these people and these organizations and corporations better watch out because I'm not, you know, the vegan movement isn't centralized. And I think that's the good thing about us. We are a multinational, multiracial, multigender, um, international movement of people in every country, in all over the planet, working together simultaneously every day, all day against them, you know, and that's the great thing. And that's what gives me hope because there's a lot of us working at this. Sure, we make mistakes and there are problems and it's not perfect but we're like, you know, vegan corporation incorporated, you know, <laughs> of like, you know, unpaid workers all working away. Well, we, we, we might be paid through our own organizations or through our own uh, businesses, but you know, our vision for a, a vegan world, a world where animals are not oppressed or abused or exploited, it is coming and it will come. Um, let's just hope that the earth doesn't collapse under our feet first though. So that, cause that's always the worry. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Do you think that social media is going to continue to allow this growth because i've seen things recently i know uh, dominion was streaming on facebook and and they took it down you uh-huh. do you think that these platforms
0: are gonna kind of start uh like moderating some of these videos yeah and they really are like vimeo censored a lot of the, the uh, dominion content off their page off their off their platform and we thought that vimeo was quite open Just stuff like that, but um, it's a multi-pronged problem because on the one hand, people want uh, the truth out there, but on the other hand, people don't want to be exposed to violent images because they're worried that it will traumatize people. And it's true. They do. They do traumatize people. People do feel emotionally disturbed and upset by seeing these things. Um, They're not nice to see. Who wants to see animals having their heads chopped off? Who wants to see people having their heads chopped off? No one. You know who wants to see any uh, human or non-human person being brutalized? We don't. Um, but this stuff's happening, and we have to find a way to get it to the people. Um, there are lots of there's a there's a platform called Daily Motion, who we've been in touch with, who've advised us that they will not censor this content. So we might be moving everything over to that. So where there's a will, there's a way. People will find a way to get the information out. The internet is decentralized, a decentralized system, and there's always going to be a way to get this information to people, whether it's getting them to uh, getting them to a a larger audience, that's another question, because these social networks, what they've done is they've built, you know, billion user audiences. So it's given us access to much, much more people. But the game's getting harder because Facebook wants you to pay to access those audiences. So it's harder now for us to be able to reach more people. Our page was growing at a rate of 10,000, 12,000 organic likes a week. Facebook then changed the algorithm. And in January, we lost 40% of our traffic and dropped right down to like 2,000, some weeks down to 1,000 organic likes a week. Wow. Um, and we're, we're at a point where we just feel like the page is not growing at all. It just seems to sort of hover at a certain amount, you know? So it's really frustrating. But right. We've got to keep at it. Right. No, I,
1: I 100% agree. And I've noticed that across all the social media platforms Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It's it's really becoming increasingly hard, and it's almost reverting back to, you know, before before the internet and social media is. You almost have to hear word of mouth, and then know to go on and search uh, for these people. And even then, so you may not see their content because it's it's still going to be filtered. But I experienced the, the the same thing through Instagram. My page was growing exponentially a couple of years ago and it it just stopped and it has plateaued and it, and it's frustrating because for me it's it's not about gaining followers for a sense of ego it's about gaining followers to spread the message as, as far and wide as possible and to inspire others to do the same so absolutely the end goal is you know for this great cause it's it's not for this this self-fame or self-indulgence that kind of a lot of people on social media today, unfortunately, are on there for. And it is very frustrating when when you have a movement like this that has grown so much traction. And now it's kind of kind of halting. And I mean, it makes sense from a business perspective, these social media platforms, you know, they've provided a service for free for all these people. So in one way, you have to kind of understand where they're coming from. But it's frustrating because it's like they gave us they gave us the goods right away when, when these things first came out now they're kind of taking it away. And
0: well, that was the plan all along, I think, you know, get the, get the horse into the, into the um, yard and then lock the gate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Kind of, kind of getting duped, but um, you know, there's still, there's still so many amazing things you can do on the platform. So I know that, that a lot of people will continue to fight on no matter what, but But, in the sense of, in the sense of non-activists who are, putting out this content like Dominion or doing direct action or, you know, speaking out on social media platforms or websites. What other reasons do you think has caused this trend in, in veganism? Because the UK population of vegans has absolutely skyrocketed. And I know that not all of it is is just from Kind of these these strict vegans i know a lot of it is people who are just interested in eating plant-based uh-huh. You know, what talk a little bit more about where you think that's coming from in the sense of kind of getting the average consumer
0: to want to buy into plant-based products so i think a lot of the change is actually not coming from vegans even though we would love to like say it's all us it's actually the flexitarians flexitarianism is a way of eating where you are actively reducing your consumption of animal products consciously for various reasons health reasons environmental reasons it's usually those two um or ethical reasons but mostly health and environmental there are 23 24 million flexitarians in the uk and these are people who are usually under 25 who are who know about the environmental impact of animal aquaculture, they've watched Cowspiracy or they've seen something in The Guardian or they've read something somewhere. So they're actively choosing to eat less meat. So more people are demanding meat-free meals and going to supermarkets and, and requesting these kinds of products, going to restaurants and having more vegetarian food, meat-free Mondays. So there's been a huge spike in a request for meat-free foods and products. Obviously, manufacturers are jumping on the trend of veganism or vegan and using the word vegan on their foodstuffs because they can see and they know that people are consciously choosing to buy less meat. Mean. You know, there's in the grocer, Dakota UK, I think it's called the um, UK Grocer, which is like a, a British food and retail publication. They said some 69% of British people are consuming um, or having at least one meat free meal a week. Which wow. is huge. It just shows that people are across the country are actively choosing to make these changes. Now, it's also because it's a small country compared to the US. We're tiny. Right. Um, our population is highly concentrated, though, so that's that's also very interesting. Right. So we have a lot more people on a lot less land, um, and the media is a lot more concentrated too. We don't have loads of different television networks all spouting out their own with their own, their own agenda. We don't have um, you know, a a government that is, you know, obviously, we have a, you know, a center right government, but ultimately, there is a a strong environmental message that gets through, you know, we, we don't have a president, a prime minister who's a climate change denier. So you know, these conversations are being had, and it it, they do get through to people. So I think that's the biggest thing is people wanting to take responsibility for their food choices. And that's what's driving it, I think.
1: And I think that, that that plays to the advantage of it kind of being a, a smaller country. It's kind of more, more sense of community in the sense that, you know, everything's yes. more condensed. And not only that, but for convenience factors, you know, if you go in the US and you're in New York City where you have, you know, over 200 vegan restaurant options, and then you go kind of, you know, like an hour away into rural New York and there's nothing. And, and that's kind of just yeah. like, you know throughout the whole country it's like these little pockets and Mm -hmm. so it's hard to kind of get the the masses to buy into it because it's just like oh well you guys can do that because you're near this big city and you have all these things and you know yeah if i want to go to the grocery store and eat vegan i I have to just get you know like rice and beans and vegetables and fruits which is fine but you know a lot of people want the convenience products you know like the Mm -hmm. the hamburgers because they're
0: busy people have busy lives and you know, they want to live the convenience life that everyone else does. So yeah, it's tricky, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's very tricky. But I, I agree with you. And there's a great book called How to Create a Vegan World, a uh, Pragmatic Approach. And oh, yes, I have read that Tobias Linhart. Yes, up. absolutely. Highly recommended for anyone who is an advocate or an activist and wants to learn more about how you can have an effective approach. But he really talks about how it is these flexitarians who are making the change, and I agree 100%. And what people should realize is that if you can get people interested in the food, if you can maybe get them interested in one aspect like health or environment, generally people are not going to buy into the ethics right away. That's just mm-hmm. human psychology because that's they don't want to think about that. But if you can get them to buy into one of these things, and I think that the biggest thing is, is going to be food and convenience, they are more likely – down the road to open their minds up to the ethical aspects, just like yourself and I did as well when we were on our journeys. Just like so many others before us have said, well, let me try this vegan for health reasons. And then once you eat the food and realize, oh, I can do this, this is something that I can sustain. And then all of a sudden your mind is open to, well, maybe we shouldn't be killing animals for food. I think that that is a really, really powerful thing that is happening right now that people are interested in plant based food because I think that that is going to transition into a lot more ethical vegans down the road.
0: Oh, definitely. And this is the thing. If we keep pushing these people into that in that direction or encourage them in that direction, you know, like I do believe flexitarianism is the on the road to veganville, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Uh, but if we chastise people and tell them they're not good enough, you know, on that road, what are they going to do? They're going to swerve off and go back to Carnesville. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. And who's that? Ours or <laughs> Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that we definitely need to advocate more for, for people just eating less meat. I think that that is a very effective... Yeah, um,
0: exactly. You yeah, know, I think this puritanical approach, all or nothing, is... Um, it's 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 mis- it's what's the word it's not misdirected it's i just it's a misinformed way people come from a place of emotion they see the suffering they see the violence towards animals and they want everyone to stop eating meat now it's not going to happen you know people need to be led and encouraged and people need to feel a sense of um I, I, like self like they need to be able to have come to that place on their own you can't hold a gun to people's heads and say you will go vegan now it's not you know that, that doesn't that's not going to bode well they're not going to stay vegan they might stay vegan while they're still in fear of you and then right you, once you've left they might go back to eating meat again right and no one's ever going to change because you told them to it has right. to be
1: you inspiring mm-hmm. you know something within themselves that wants to make the change so yeah and that's not generally a very good way to inspire someone is kind of you know holding them at this this ultimatum so I want to talk a little bit about kind of the, some future projects you have coming up. I know that the Vegan 2018 film is coming out soon. Yes, um,
0: November 28th. Okay, great. Um, talk a little bit more about that. So Vegan 2018 is a, a huge project directed and produced by Mr. Klaus Mitchell. He's the other half of Plant Based News. And um, what Klaus does is he pulls together all the content that the whole team and himself and all of us gather throughout the year. And this is, you know, clips on, t- on the television from articles to news media and Klaus kind of distills all that stuff that's happened, all the changes and law changes and ethical discussions and um, controversy and pulls it all together into a feature length film and kind of creates a narrative. It's narrated. Uh, professionally narrated as well. Um, and it just tells our story over the last year and, and where we've got to and how far we've gone. Most people, by the end of the film, especially last year's film, walk away feeling very inspired. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd like to be and we should be making more progress. There's a lot of things that are still a major problem. You know, meat consumption and dairy consumption across the US is up, it's not down. Across the world, broadly, it's up, it's not down. Um, so we have a, a big fight against uh, ahead of us, but I feel like we have a lot more to work with now. You know, there's a lot more resources at our disposal and this film shows that. And it shows how our mainstream, our movement really truly went mainstream. Well,
1: wow, That's great. Yeah. And I remember watching the, the 2016 and the 2017 uh, films. I know that those ones are a lot shorter. I know this one is intended to be kind of a, um, a more feature length. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But exactly like you said, I I watched those and I, and I felt very inspired because it's very easy to get lost in in this lifestyle, especially for a lot of people um, like in the U.S. who may not have other vegans around them that they can confide in as far as friends, relationships, etc. It's good to have kind of something to look toward and say, "Well, look at all all the great change that is happening." You're right; there is still a lot that we need to do, and. You know we're still kind of fighting the good fight every day but it's good to see that that our actions have provided you know positive consequences so i think that's great and um where can people view that at
0: so on the 28th of november the film will be up on plant-based news on our youtube channel so that's youtube.com forward slash plant-based news awesome yes
1: well, I got one more question for you, man, then we'll wrap it up here. What is the ultimate goal for plant-based news? What do you really hope to achieve, you know, at the end of your life? And you look back, mm-hmm. what do you want to say and um, and
0: be proud of? I'm hoping plant-based news will outlive Klaus and I. So we'll keep going because <laughs> it might take 50 years to destroy animal agriculture or more. But I think, you know, the ultimate goal for plant-based news is to continue to grow in size and that this message that, you know, living a plant-based lifestyle is healthier, it's kinder, it's more environmentally friendly, you know, that that's the truth, you know, and that people have nothing to be afraid of. And that when we choose this lifestyle, it's better for all of us, you know, the earth, the animals, our friends, our family, our environment, you know, and to also understand that it's not just about, there. it doesn't just end there, it's our consumption. It's the plastics, It's the it's the carbon, it's the methane, it's all these things that we generate. As a species, let's find ways to shift and change and adapt. And I want to be able to work with people who have the knowledge to change these things and get the information to the people that don't. And that's ultimately our goal. Awesome, man! And you're
1: already well on your way. And thank you. I, I appreciate the work that you you guys do. It's it's truly it's truly needed and appreciated by everyone in the vegan community. And uh, so we just want to thank you for that. Where can people find plant-based news online?
0: So you can find us everywhere on all the channels: so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, forward slash plant-based news. So it's the same everywhere. You can also check out our website, which is www.plantbasednews.org, where you can get all the latest news, up to the minute news um, in articles and video form. Yeah, and that's it. And sign up to our newsletter, which is plantbasednews.org forward slash sign up where you get weekly alerts of all the news that's happening straight into your email inbox. Excellent. All right,
1: man. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was was great talking with you and hearing your insights.
0: My pleasure. It was great to talk to you finally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was a good first conversation, so hopefully many more to come. Great stuff. All right. Thanks, man. Cheers. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the show. That was Robbie Lockie, co-founder of Plant-Based News. If you enjoyed the content of this episode, please leave me a rating and review on your podcast streaming platform. And more importantly, share with your family and friends so we can all help share the message of love, compassion, and peace for all beings. My name is Jake Singer, and this is the Vegan Manly Man Podcast.